so tell me about your you know employment status as your relationship was disintegrating Christina I know that's a terrible way to phrase it but yeah how yeah well it's, it's true yeah I was I was employed but in a very toxic job that I had just started and it was just awful I had an awful awful boss and um I tried to sort of save it by going to HR and I, I shouldn't have tried to do that because it just blew up in my face and, and I ended up leaving, which, which was a good thing. But there was an added vulnerability there because in the past when I'd been unemployed, you know, I at least had my partner's wage and, and now I didn't. And um, I was in this situation where we had relocated from Canada. I'd been lecturing for over 10 years and I was getting used to a new country and being back in industry. And, and I would say it took me well over two and a half years before I found the role wow. I'm in now where I fit. It works for my skill set. And I'm very lucky. I, I love the, the work culture that I'm a part of. But it was really, you know, it's it's hard enough being unemployed, being unemployed, being newly separated trying to sell yourself when you're emotionally distraught, as you would know, it's it's very difficult. So in my case, I decided to quit my job um, just before I turned 50. I had a job that was actually a very good fit for me and that I enjoyed. Um, but we had a new boss that started in the role and I found myself, you know, reading after hours books on how to deal with a narcissistic boss. And that and a couple of other things sort of were red flags that perhaps, you know, it was time for me to take charge of my own destiny and step forward. And um, so I resigned. I then went on to resurrect a business that I'd started about 18 months ago. And that involved then responding to tenders and also um, reaching out to contacts I had within Canberra to see what work was available. I didn't actually reach out to any recruiters during that period. And I was also fortunate, um, a couple of people when they heard I'd left the other role had reached out to me and sort of made offers of roles within their organisation. So I kind of had a bit of a backup plan. But I gave myself a timeframe of three months during which I would um, seek to win some work. And Literally, as the you know end of the three month came up, I got my first contract through my company. So I remember thinking, you know, just a couple of days before, like, ah, I'm going to have to get back to those people who'd made me offers of jobs within the organisation, permanent ones, and they'd never progressed to the next stage about discussing remuneration. And um, like a lot of people, especially women, I don't like having those discussions, but I thought, oh, this is it. And um, yeah, but I won a tender, signed the contract and then I was off. All right, let's go and have a chat to Kathy. Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Kishwa and welcome to our podcast, Swipe Right at 50. Today, we're really excited to have Kathy Kosturko as our guest. Now, Kathy's been working in the recruiting sector for over 32 years and most recently has been working at Hayes for 27 years. Kathy, welcome to our podcast, Swipe Right at 50. Thank you, both Kishwa and Christina. I'm delighted to be part of your podcast. You know, we had a number of questions for you, Kathy, being women in our 50s who've had to look for jobs. So uh, starting off with, for women who have left a relationship in their 50s, 
suddenly they'll find that their pool of money is half through a property settlement and they need to show pay slips if they want to buy a home. So being employed becomes quite critical. So what would be your number one tip for women re-entering the workforce after a short or long break um, and at the age of 50? Ageism sometimes is out there in the marketplace, but please don't let that be a put off for you. Attitude counts a lot more these days than age. And um, I, we've certainly found that a lot of people come to us over 50. We, we place people over 70 uh, into jobs and it's all about attitude and the skills you can bring. So um, yes, think positively of being over 50 and what that really actually means. But as far as if you've been out of work for a while, the most important thing is that you understand the skills that are required in the marketplace that you are looking at entering. So uh, upskilling, especially on the latest technology, will give you a lot of confidence in being able to apply for jobs that you might think, I haven't got all the skills for. It doesn't have to be expensive. There's a lot of online courses that you can take. So uh, getting the upskilling on technology will give you confidence that you're going to be able to take on some of the more recent roles that you'll find in the marketplace if you've been out of it for a while. Uh, the other thing is to make sure that your CV is up to date, and that's really critical. There, there are kind of new standards of CVs that you'll find out there, and I'd really strongly suggest that you go on to our haze.com.au website. We have all the tips in the world for you to find out how to set out your CV, the kind of things that should go into a CV, uh, and perhaps the things to leave out of a CV. Uh, and the other thing, when you are finding yourself in uh, a situation where you need to find a job and you haven't been out in the workforce for a while, is to use your network there's nothing like talking to people about the fact that you are looking for a job and do they know anyone uh, who might be able to help? Because we certainly find that a lot of people find their jobs through people that they know. Now, some really good points there, Cathy, especially about networking, because I've definitely found that to be very important to me. But I wanted to go back to the first comment you made, and that was about attitude. For a lot of people who might be feeling a bit down and, you know, after a relationship ends and, yeah, dealing with legal issues on the side, can we explore that idea a bit further? What, what do you mean by attitude? Some days, you know, I found myself, it was pretty hard to feel positive and optimistic while I was ringing people and saying, hey, can I help you? So, yeah, what are some of your tips about attitude and what does that mean? It's absolutely I understand where you're coming from because it's really hard to have a positive attitude when you've been knocked down and knocked down and perhaps you've lost your confidence, perhaps you know, people have been telling you that you're not uh, as capable as what you believed you were. The really critical thing here is to listen to positive people and to look at yourself as far as everybody has got wonderful attributes and you need to know what yours are so that you can positively think about those attributes and sell those to a future employer. So it's really understanding your unique selling points, if you like. Uh, so you do have to do a bit of self reflection and self-analysis and there's nothing nothing like going on to 
uh, YouTube and, and some of these wonderful TED Talks that you see out there that can give wonderful advice about how to get your confidence back because self-confidence is really critical when you to get your right attitude, if you like. Uh, remember, you only need one job and you might have to put in lots of applications. But think of every application as uh, a step getting you closer to that job and the experience it gives you, you just build on that. So that think of it positively rather than negatively. And I know that uh, often uh, employers won't get back to you. You submit applications and you never hear anything. Um, you sometimes have to be courageous. In fact, you often have to be courageous. You kind of have to put a different hat on yes. and think of your alter ego and the person who uh, is able to actually go there and instead of just sending your CV off and waiting and waiting and waiting, send your CV off and make a phone call to the person and let them know that you're really interested in the role. There's nothing like adding personality to your resume. So it's... Um, getting that confidence in the first place, don't make a call if you're not feeling really confident. You've got to make sure that you're psychologically in the right place to make that call. So you don't want to be feeling down. Um, go out and buy yourself a bar of chocolate and feel happy about eating it, then make the call. So do something really positive for yourself before you get on the phone. And um, there's there's... It's really healthy yeah. to think about yourself first and not to listen to other people, but to listen to your inner self and know, if, just know how strong you are, that you've actually made it through to where you are now and there is a future. And that's really, really critical. So attitude is really about self-confidence, believing in yourself, really believing in yourself, don't put age out there. Attitude is attitude to me is 99% of the success of getting a job. Thanks, Kathy. I think you're so right. I know for me, when I was looking for work and low, newly separated, I used to fake it. I didn't do the chocolate bar tip, though, and I'll try that one. But I think it's a good <laughs> one. And, and, and I do agree that networking is everything. I just want to put it out there that I have gotten work from my dog in the dog park. <laughs> just through networking, which is, I thought, impressive. He's finally, he's finally helping me bring an income in. So that's good. So my question, Kathy, is about um, how should somebody choose a recruiting agency? Uh, does Hayes specialize in a particular categories of work? Do you focus on admin or blue collar or white collar? And, and also, do you offer things like CV coaching, interview prep, um, you know, particular for, for women that might have been out of the workforce for a bit? Good questions. Um, so, so let's just break that down. So how should you choose a recruitment agency? My suggestion is that you go online and look for jobs that really suit your qualifications, uh, your experience, and your goals, your ambitions, what you want to do, and um, see who is advertising those. So when it comes to Hayes, we specialise in about 25 different areas. So wow. we, we get really specific, right? So we do blue collar and we do trades and labour, we do construction, property, but we also do um, accounting and finance, HR, marketing, technology, 
So there's, uh, there's a lot of specialisms out there. And it's really important for you to understand when you start your job search to know the kind of job you want to do. Because the hardest thing for us is when you come to us and say, uh, I'm looking for a job, but I really don't know what I want to do. So mm. before you start your job search, it's really critical that you know, um, at least have a, an outline of the type of role, the ideal role that you would like to take on. And um, that can, and when you, when you do uh, start to identify what it is, that's when you will be able to focus much more clearly on the type of roles that are going to suit you. So okay. we, don't, we don't actually offer any coaching, but there's uh, so many resources on our, our website that uh, you just, anything, any question you have, you will find it answered as far as a job search goes um, on our website. So even through to interview techniques and, um, and, and there's, Look, there's blogs, there's there's so much online these days that are going to support you in your job search. So don't be afraid to to just go in and listen and read and get as much research done about the area that you want to go and work in so that you understand the skills that are required. And um, sometimes when you know when you are more mature and you've held a very senior roles, um, and you find yourself out of the workforce and maybe you've been out of it for a while, um, it's easy to undersell yourself and, and try and look for a job um, that isn't as senior as what you're capable of doing. That's not always the best way to go about it because sometimes it will intimidate the people that you're um, in, being interviewed by because they will see you as a possible threat because you're more senior possibly than than um, what they are looking for. But um, the other thing is you'll be probably, you'll be frustrated in the role if it's not really challenging you or, or answering the ambitions that you've got. So mm -hmm. um, to, to if, if you are looking for a more senior role and um, you're finding it difficult, sometimes it's um, good to get an executive coach if you have the ability or you, you know a friend who does that kind of thing because they can help you identify where your skills are and how transferable they are into other types of roles. Uh, and they can also give you that uh, boost up and that, that um, coaching experience that will um, help you be more successful in your job search and your interviews uh, and hopefully secure that wonderful job that you want. And don't be ready just to accept anything if you don't have to. But if you have a flexibility where you have a bit of time um, and a few resources, uh, it is it is better for you and your whole mental well-being to actually be challenging yourself in a new role rather than just taking something that's beneath your ability. Yep. It's a good point. I did have a recruiter ask me once, what's your dream job? And I found it really difficult to answer him. So I think it's it's interesting that you say that to, to think of that from the start, because that will help refine your search. You might have answered this a bit already, but I'm wondering as someone who came in, you know, with a bit of experience behind my belt, do you think women should be aiming high for a job more suited to their experience or should they take any job that's available to them um, or does it matter? Is it market dependent? 
uh, you know, for example, should they go in low for their dream company and then hope to, you know, rise up or or the opposite? Should they wait for, you know, something that matches their experience? Look, looking for a job is a full time occupation, really. Um, it is. So yeah. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of research. So let's say it is a it it is market dependent, like if it's a a job rich market. So there's a lot of jobs and, and um, low unemployment. You'll find that you'll be able to be more selective about the jobs that you apply for and that you want. Um, if it's a, a candidate rich market, meaning there's lots of candidates in the area that you're looking at, at finding a job in, um, you might need to be less selective and, and more flexible about the kind of role that you're going to be applying for. So it depends on what your situation is and, and what's happening in the market. So research the market before you start. But my, if, if there's a dream company that you've always wanted to work for, uh, I would be approaching them and see what vacancies they've got and what you can do to actually get a job there uh, because I've always wanted to work for you. Now, places this may not work so easily as Google and, and Microsoft or you know any of those ones where yeah, they get thousands of applications a week. <laughs> it might not work, but if there's a, a particular company that you're really keen on and they've got a vacancy, but it's lower than what you are wanting to work, um, you will you may likely be overqualified, but there's nothing wrong with putting your application and saying that you really want to work for them. This job may not be suitable, but if something comes up in the future uh, at a more senior level, um, could they please keep you in mind and that you will stay in touch? So mm -hmm. you treat it treat it like um, don't just send your resume in and just leave it. You, you have mm -hmm. to work your resume. And if you are really keen on a job or really keen on a company, uh, try and be courageous about putting yourself forward and out there and making that call and making that connection. Uh, and even if that job, you don't get that job and it was your dream job, find out why, get some really good feedback as to why you weren't suitable and then work on the, the reasons why you didn't get it and see what you can do to make it a much better opportunity in future. In fact, I always look at if you didn't get the job, it wasn't meant to be for you. So yeah. that, that's just life. You know, you might think it's absolutely the most perfect fit, but you didn't even get an interview. So it just, you know, it may not have been the right job. It just wasn't the right job for you. Otherwise, you'd have it. Yeah. So yeah, move on to the next enough. one. Yes. Mm -hmm. Some good mm -hmm. tips there. Um, one of the questions I get asked quite often um, when I'm sort of mentoring people or talking to people is should they pay someone to do their resume? And Kathy, you, you touched on this before that, you know, your organization's website has some tips about, you know, what should be in a resume. So in spite of that, is there some value in getting a CV professionally done and updated? You you do when you're interviewing someone, um, if their resume doesn't actually match what they're saying, but mm -hmm. maybe somebody else wrote the resume for them. Yes. So if you do have somebody else write it, the, the ideal would be that they give you the helpful advice of how you can write it so that it's actually in your own words. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I said, you know, there's, there's so many online resources today 
uh, about how to write a resume, what, what kind of information that employers are looking for. Uh, what you can do is have someone look over your resume and ask them to critique your resume after you've made that attempt to write it. Yes. Um, but if you do find English skills difficult and that your grasp of English is not perhaps as good as you would like it to be, absolutely. Um, there are a lot of resume uh, writers out there. You just have to Google them and you'll find someone who uh, you feel comfortable with, who you can ask to help you. But just bear in mind that you, you really need to know what's in your resume and that usually comes because you've written it yourself. Yes. Um, and if somebody's saying things about you that you don't feel that confident in talking about, um, that could really let you down if you get in front of an interviewer and you, you've said something in your resume that um, you <laughs> perhaps aren't qualified to say. Um, yes. But this, oh, that brings me to another point is, you know, this whole, this whole issue of applying for jobs that you might not have all the skills to do. So, yeah. you know, this imposter syndrome that we all tend to have. Um, Women in Please particular. remember, absolutely, you do not have to have 100% of the skills that they're looking for in the job. Um, you do need to have the critical skills. So they'll say the essentials. Uh, but if you don't have some of the unessentials and some other attributes that they're talking about or skills, um, tailor your application so that it you're speaking to the job you're speaking about what skills you can bring to the job and making sure that um, you're across, you, you bring across the skills that you've had from a previous role into that role and what value that will bring to the, the client. So um, that's where having your resume really um, speak about the, the skills that you've got that could be considered transferable is really important. Yes, there's a good segue for the amount of research one should do before going to an actual interview. So not necessarily with the recruiter because that's a, usually an introductory chat, but when you're actually going to someone who's got, you know, a customer of Hayes who's got jobs available, um, do you have some tips about research, you know, key things that they should research before going into that interview? Uh, once again, um, I went onto it this morning, our website, Interview <laughs> Tips, Mm -hmm. uh, questions to ask, information to know. Uh, there's so much information on there. If we're good recruiters, we should be telling you about the client who we're going to be putting you in front of, mm -hmm. uh, telling you about the job, uh, expressing what the career and development opportunities are. We should be prepping you so that by the time you get in front of that client, you are feeling much more confident that you know who they are and the whole job that you're going to be applying for. Yes. Yeah. That would, uh, that's the ideal world. Question for me now. Um, a lot of people who haven't ever used recruiters have these questions. Does it cost, you know, for me to join a recruiting agency? And if I join one, you know, am I just exclusively with them or can I, you know, register with a couple of recruiting agencies? Kathy? Absolutely, you should never be charged by a recruitment company because it's the the employer who pays us. We never charge you to find a job. So our service to you is totally and utterly free. So that's really wonderful. 
The things that might not be free would be, you know, the resume writing, um, if you were using a, a coaching service, but because we don't do that, you, you would never be charged by us. Um, the other thing is you can apply to any recruitment companies that you wish. You should never be restricted from applying um, to any that you want to. And no one should be saying to you specifically, you cannot go out and register with any other recruitment agency. That really is anti-competitive um, and it should never happen. So uh, we, we suggest that you register with two or three. Don't get uh, crazy and, and register with 10 because you might find yourself sending and receiving emails much more than uh, you're getting a job. But um, yes, if you find people that you trust, people who are interested in you, that's a really critical thing. So find someone you're comfortable with um, and you should be, um, and find a couple of people. So don't just, don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Kathy, what about recruiting agencies or specialists within Hayes that can cater for the more mature uh, worker? Uh, is that something that's out there or is every worker pretty much the same? Um, there will, uh, ageism and maturity um, are a couple of things that, I think the whole employment market workforce has really not come to grips with. Um, so the mature age workforce, as far as we're concerned, um, everyone deserves a job and everyone has equal opportunity. So um, we don't actually have, we did have a Hayes age advantage um, specialism at one time, but we found that each of our other specialisms were also dealing with those people so why did we have a separate division for them? So yeah. no, we, we haven't, we, we place people of any age um, who's got the skills to do the job. So, um, and you'll find that there's, we, uh, there's this whole diversity and inclusion is not just, you know, with recruitment agencies, it's with employers now as well. Sort of one of the questions we want to ask, because in order to add a bit of humour to our podcast, you know, we've talked about, um, dating and swipe right at 50 makes an allusion to some of the dating app partners by or potential partners by swiping right so in in that framework do you think from you know all your years in the in the recruiting um, world that employment does contribute towards self-confidence there's no doubt that if you're if you're employed and you are earning money and it gives you a, a sense of independence uh, and a, a sense of self-confidence that your whole self-esteem is going to improve. So for us, it's one of the most purposeful things we can do is to find the perfect job for a lovely person. And if you find a job that really suits you, your whole life will be different. It will be more enhanced uh, because of it. If you don't want to work, that's, a, that's another issue. That's totally up to you. Uh, but finding a, re a really good job that really suits you. Um, sometimes it's in the not-for-profit sector where the money may not be the best, but um, money isn't everything. It's that sense of satisfaction, self-worth, doing something that you feel of value that really is critical to you being happy um, in with the job that you've got and success in life. Yes. It doesn't have to be the corner office. 
Kathy, the next round is um, meant to be a quick round. You don't think about these questions, just whatever comes up at the top of uh, your head, no wrong answers, and it's not multiple choice, so the you're in the hot seat here. So our, our speed, okay. we call it swipe right uh, at 50 speed dating questions. And so the first one is, um, how does employment type matter when you're dating in your 50s? If you're a professional, do you have to date a professional, for example? Absolutely not. No, in fact, opposites attract, don't they? I know there's quite a lot of professional women these days who have house husbands or um, yeah, they, they are the biggest um, uh, fee, uh, salary income. So um, their husband might, in fact, opt for a, a part-time job. Uh, so it absolutely does not matter what the other person does, so long as it's legal, hopefully. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Okay. Uh, next question. Is it okay to date a colleague at work? And if so, do you have to keep it a secret? Depends on what the company policy is. Some companies have very strict policies about it. Other companies, it's not an issue. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable for your colleagues if you become very smoochy at work. So I would suggest that if you do date a colleague that you keep a professional uh, during work hours, uh, but go for it after, after work hours. Uh, so eventually people you know, you know, it's on Facebook, someone's taken a picture of you two together. It's out there, they'll know. So yeah. uh, if you are going to do it, it's always good to let your boss know so that it's not a surprise to them. Yeah. Do you think looking for work is similar to looking for love? Uh, we interviewed an author who approached dating like a work project. She it took her 138 dates over almost three years before she met the love <laughs> of her life. But she did. Seriously, she talked about her pipeline of dating the whole day. So what are your thoughts on that? I've never, I've never actually thought of it that way, uh, but both make you happy, don't they? So I guess if you approach, approach it in a similar way, um, you spend so much time at work these days that it's like you may as well be married to it. Um, so if you think of it that way and does it make you feel good? Are you happy there? Do you like the people, the things that you would consider qualities perhaps in a partner? So Perhaps there are more similarities than I've actually thought about before. There you go. What life advice about career and relationships would you give to your younger self? Don't change a thing. <laughs> make, make mistakes because you learn from them. Don't be afraid to take risks because you'll learn from it and you'll grow. Um, enjoy everything you do. Um, you've made the decision to do it, so you make the most of it. Uh, and I just take every opportunity that comes your way. And that's how I've lived my life. Nice. Good answer. Last one. What are you most proud of, both professionally and personally? Well, why is that hard? Um, I think having the love of my life as my partner uh, has made my whole life, both my job uh, and me, a better person. So I'm most proud of the relationship that we've developed and the life that we have. 
and uh, I'm a better person for it and I'm a better employee because of it. The support that I get from my partner in life has been the most successful thing I've ever done. Very good. Nice. Yeah. Nice to finish on that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I, I did want to go back to, you know, us drawing parallels between dating and recruiting because, yeah, you, in, in both situations you have to address the essential criteria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are the essential criteria and then what are the like, you know, like to have <laughs> the extra? <laughs> so, That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a business opportunity for Hayes, um, Kathy. You may have to, you know be able to dis- diversify <laughs> the business a bit of yeah, prepare, maybe not full on dating, but preparing for dating and you know some of the questions. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, we'd like both Christian like to thank you for being part of our podcast today, and I think yes, some of the you. insights you've provided. You're so welcome. It's been a delight talking to you both. Thanks, Kathy. It's been lots of fun. Kishma and I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we recorded today, the Ngunnawal people, and we pay our respects to their elders, past and present. We'd also like to thank my aunt, Akta Jahan, for the music. And also my son, Maxwell, for some uh, technical support uh, with the editing. 